630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. I don't want to get you too excited, but I was taking a look at the good old calendar. Today is Thursday, July 9th. Thursday, July 30th is the now reported date for the start of the qualifying round in the National Hockey League, which means three weeks from today, we at 6.30 Chet could very well be bringing you a game between the Edmonton Oilers and the Chicago Blackhawks. And don't forget, likely to be an exhibition game before that, which means less than three weeks from now for us to have live hockey on this very radio station. Now, the CBA extension... The NHL return to play protocol still being ratified. Board of Governors and the Players Association. Maybe we get an announcement tomorrow. And I know you've been hearing me say that for the last couple of weeks, that maybe tomorrow is is the date for something being announced. But it it looks like it is getting very, very close. And uh, maybe tomorrow on this show, we're discussing some more concrete details about the NHL's return to play plan. But, I mean, it looks like Monday for training camp, traveling to the hub cities uh, around the 26th, uh, qualifying round games starting on the 30th and then all the way into early October for the Stanley Cup being handed out and the next season starting December 1st. And that's been a big question for me through all of this as well. And it's been a big question for a lot of players is how much does this throw off next year's hockey calendar? Well, I think if they start in December, they do their best to finish next year you know, maybe by uh, by the end of June, if they condense things or may have, maybe have to go a little bit into July. And then for the fall of 2021, you're starting uh, then the subsequent NHL season on, uh, you know, first or second week of October, like it usually would. So maybe you're you're back onto the normal calendar. It, remember through this too, this December 1st start that's been talked about is actually what some American owners want because they don't want to compete with the national football league. Dallas certainly has been mentioned as one of these teams, one of these owners where they would sooner start the season later on into the fall, or maybe even January 1st, quite frankly, I I don't think most players would ever go for this. I I think especially most Canadians would reject that, but the the net, we know what a juggernaut the national football league is. Some American teams don't make their uh, arena as available in October, November, and December. So they don't get as many home games where they feel they, they wouldn't have the fan interest because there's the NFL going on. So the December 1st start is going to be something that's uh, going to be appreciated, I think, though it's likely just going to be a one-off for, for some American owners. But anyway, that's what we're looking at here. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Ched. Eskimos broadcasts, hopefully, maybe a season starting in September. We've talked about the latest reports there that possibly a hub city for the CFL, like Winnipeg, like Regina, all the teams would go there, would play a six-game regular season, and then eight of the nine teams would make the playoffs, perhaps with the hope that once you got into November, maybe teams could return home to host playoff games in their actual stadiums with some fans in attendance That's all speculation, obviously, when it comes to the CFL. Certainly hope that they get some sort of a season in that remains a big if. And, uh, you know, probably, uh, well, I would say by the end of the month at the latest, they're going to have to make some sort of a decision because they'll have to have a training camp and get all the players uh, back in and up and running and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, you can always reach out. 780-496-0063 is the number to both call 
and text had a lot of good discussion uh, yesterday and the day before, quite frankly, about the uh, debate surrounding the team name of the Edmonton Eskimos. Really appreciate everybody who reached out. Certainly a, a topic that a lot of people are, are passionate about, and we'll, we'll have a little recap about that later on in the show. I did uh, reach out to a representative of Jordan Tutu to try to get him on the show uh, tonight I kind of got a, a we'll see and that he's getting a lot of requests so nothing has been confirmed along those lines I don't know if he's uh, gonna do this show I don't know if he's gonna do any media after his statement yesterday but I uh, definitely did make that request so we'll just see how that goes I thought it was a very thoughtful statement that he put out now the Oilers and, and I've been like you for this I get my updates from Oilers social media because I'm not I'm not allowed into the building a lot of times for these casual skates leading up to the start of training camp media gets to uh, you know start to leak in a little bit and grab the odd interview or scrum or things like that uh, you know Oscar Clefbaum on the ice today Josh uh, Josh Archibald Miko Koskinen all getting ready to go as part of phase two here for the Oilers and then phase three training camp on, uh, on Monday. You know, I, I, I'm really curious how this is going to play out once they hit the ice, unusual circumstances. There's not really a single team or player that can draw on any experience from this. Like, Oh yeah, I've been through this before. I've had a th- three and a half, four month gap in my season and then come back into uh, games that are basically playoff games, which is what 16 of the 24 teams will be facing. The advantages I see for the Oilers, and look, everybody's going to be rested and healthy, but the Oilers, even though they are deeper than they have been in recent seasons, uh, you know, still rely a lot on Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. They play a lot, I think, coming back fresh and doing some training. I, I, I think it'll help those players. I have questions about how the goaltending is 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 going to look. Koskinen and Smith overall, I would give them a passing grade for the season, but after uh, you know a large break like this, Mike Smith being a player in his late thirties, how are they going to do? How is the penalty kill going to do? Penalty kill was absolutely on fire. I mean, an incredible turnaround from where the Oilers had been the previous two seasons to be second in the NHL when it went on to a pause. Can that keep up? I do think the power play can be productive. I I just think with those talented players, they usually play the entire two minutes. You've had Clefbaum on the point, the big three up front that I've mentioned, and then Chase on or Neal, maybe even a little bit of Yamamoto cycling through that, that fifth spot on the power play. I still think that can be a productive unit. So I feel pretty good about the star players, feel pretty good about the power play, goal prevention when it comes to the goaltending and the PK, definitely question marks I have, but going to be fun to uh, be talking about actual games as we, uh, as we move closer to the end of July. Brian Burke, longtime NHL executive, now a broadcaster with Rogers. He was on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer earlier today and, that, you know, it's a question I've, I've, I've got from a lot of you or sometimes a listener will bring up what happens in the hub. What if guys get sick? Can the NHL really keep it airtight, even in Edmonton and Toronto, two places where there aren't a lot of where there aren't a lot of COVID cases? Can it really be kept out of the player pool? What happens if a player gets sick? How is that going to derail a series? Wouldn't it suck if a team was eliminated because they lost a couple of good players to this illness? Well, Brian Burke uh, talked about the NHL taking on COVID. Well, I think the next two weeks are critical. Like Players have to be very disciplined. Well, I'm not worried about once they get to the bubbles. I really think the league's thought of everything there. But the positive tests the next two weeks are 
are definitely the, the big fear in regular training camp because the players are not in a controlled environment. Uh, you can't stop at McDonald's on your way home. You can't stop and have a couple beers at the pub on your way home. you got to go right home. And teams that, that are successful in seeing this through and winning a Stanley Cup or getting in the finals or whatever are going to have to be disciplined these next two weeks. They've got to get to the bubble with no positive tests or one positive test, say. And if they don't do that, they're in trouble. So the next two weeks will determine the, the faith of this experiment, if you will. And players need to be very disciplined right now. This is the time the GMs I talked to in the last couple of days, this is the time they're dreading most not the bubble well and i think that's a good point i i I mean players are right now a lot of them are are back in the in the cities that they call home during hockey season and may or may not be isolated may or may not be going out may or may not be wearing a mask or social distancing when they go out i mean you'll have a lot of different behavior among the players just like you might have a lot of different behavior among uh, other members of the population certainly the the report out of st louis friday that a few players got it by uh, going out to socialize tampa bay was uh, was hit with it so that's why burke explains that that this is a critical couple of weeks here for the uh, the national hockey league cowtown Bob. Texting in 7804960063 says it seems like the December 1st start of next season is still very hypothetical. The most likely appearance of a vaccine will be later this fall and by that time or sorry and by the time the population is vaccinated enough to bring things back to normal would be about a year from now. If this is the most likely scenario would the next season starting in December also be played in hub cities without fans. I think that's possible, Cowtown Bob. I think the NHL is hoping by then that most, if not all, of their cities have low numbers and maybe you can let fans into buildings with social distancing. Maybe there'd be some kind of uh, mask recommendation or, or requirement. But I understand what you're saying. You know, there are still certainly places in the United States that, that don't look like they have the virus anywhere near under control and that then assembling fifteen to 20,000 people at a, at a hockey game is, is just another invitation for it to spread even further. So that's a good question, Cowtown Bob. I, I don't have the complete answer for you. Uh, you know, if you if you look at some of the the national media, whether it's Bob McKenzie, Frank Cervelli, Elliot Friedman, Chris Johnston, those guys who cover this, I mean, they'll still often mention yeah, everything is, is everything is tentative and everything is subject to change. So I think they're, they'll play the hub cities, they'll see how the playoffs go, and then and then they start planning next season. I, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe there are hubs for next year to play the regular season. Maybe a teams, maybe a group of teams are in the same city for three weeks and play kind of a round robin that counts as part of the regular season. And, and then you, you move some teams around uh, and then continue playing that way. I, I wonder for next season, Cowtown Bob, if uh, whether there are fans or not, is if they, they only play within each conference. To, to cut down on travel and that you might have double headers or a team staying in a region for an extended period of time. For, for example, let's say the Oilers had two visits each to San Jose, Anaheim and Los Angeles next year. Maybe they play San Jose Monday, fly down, play LA Thursday and Friday Anaheim Sunday and Monday and then hits San Jose on Thursday on, on their way back up North. And you have all those six games out of the way. So you're not making another trip to California or you're splitting them up or while they're down there, they go play Arizona and Vegas as well. And maybe when Chicago comes 
to uh, Western Canada. Maybe they go, you know, Winnipeg, Calgary, Vancouver, Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg, and then back home or something like that. I, I think the NHL is going to have to consider doing things a little differently with the schedule, at, le- at least for next year. And, and it is going to be compressed if they still want to f- try to finish it in June or maybe early July. We won't see an all-star break. We won't see the bye weeks. We'll probably just see three days off for Christmas, which will be in the first month of the season in December. So good questions. Don't totally have an answer for you, but I, I think that uh, we, we can certainly speculate that there will be some uh, some alterations to how the NHL schedules. Of course, it's not officially official, but Edmonton and Toronto, the hub cities, for the National Hockey League's restart. And Brian Burke on Oilers Now earlier today was talking about the advantages for YEG in being a hub city. Why do you think people tried so hard to get this tournament in Edmonton? Because of the value. There's no windfall, economic windfall to the Edmonton Oilers. It'll probably cost them money. But for the length of this tournament, they haven't said that the finals will be in Edmonton, I think, officially, but they're going to be. For the length of this tournament, every TV crew from around the world is going to be outside Rogers Arena saying, here we are in lovely downtown Edmonton. Now, I got news for you. Edmonton's a great city, but the visuals in December and January are not good. It's dark right. at 3 o'clock. It's freezing cold. Now they're going to see a side of Edmonton they haven't seen before, and it will drive some tourism and make people think well of the city. I think it's fantastic. All right, a little bit there from Brian Burke earlier today on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. All right, you can text 780-496-0063. That is also the call-in number. Appreciate the message there from Cowtown Bob. We have Hal Gill. He's always fun to talk to coming up between 6.30 and 7. Back in a couple of minutes on Inside Sports. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. We spent a lot of time on the last two shows talking about the uh, future of the Edmonton Eskimos name. Uh, We're not going to spend as much time on that today, but I really appreciate everybody who chimed in on the text and phone line and a little bit of recap, a recap of what some of you had to say. If the Eskimos are are forever going to be plagued with, you know, if this is going to be a good thing or a bad thing, I think that that's, that's going to be very tough on the organization, but um, you know, uh, and then that may ultimately end up leading to them them changing it. But you know, there's there's a lot to be lost potentially too. And so I think that that's something that people need to consider. Or if they change their name, well, uh, the name I would support would be Edmonton Empire because uh, it keeps the EE symbol, keeps everything like that, and whatever. But I'd really like to say that they save the Eskimos because uh, I, I just truly truly believe that it does. That, that part of that does mean that the, the Inuits are strong. You know. Sure, strong people. Like, look how Jordan Tutu played hockey, man. He was a guy who showed up every game. He, he was a small guy, tough, and he never backed down from anybody. So, like, uh, I would think that most people would consider Eskimos as an honorable name. First, off, your point about the sponsor where they would need to set up, step up, uh, was great. I totally agree with that. Secondly, I don't think the Eskimos should change their name, um, especially with everything going on today. People would rather delete history rather than making it a teachable moment. And I feel that uh, the name the Edmonton Eskimos is the suitable name for them 
and I, I, I find that uh, people are just uh, just finding reasons to complain about uh, something that's not even their business. I just wanted to say that I think Bel Air is wrong for trying to force the Eskimos to change their name. Like the Eskimos stand for battle of life in the North Country. And they battle. First off, I agree with you about the Bel Air directing. As a corporation, they're entitled to do whatever they want. Their timing sucks. There's no point in coming out with this right now when, like you say, we don't even know if we're having a CFL season. When I think of Eskimo, I'm proud. I, I, I don't I don't look down on the name. I don't I've never looked down on 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 the people Eskimo at all. All right, that was uh, just a summary of what some of you had to say. Now, look, obviously, in the uh, in the interest of, of of representing both sides, most of the calls last night were uh, either critical of, of Bel Air for uh, for wanting the Eskimos to change the name in this environment, and uh, most most people who called want to keep the name on, on the text line. I definitely heard more dissenting opinions. People who who would like the the name to be changed uh, aren't comfortable with it. Uh, some some of you flat out uh, find it objectionable, and 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 some people saying you know maybe it's just time, even if it doesn't bother you personally. So we've heard all those opinions. I appreciate you you sharing them with me. The the Eskimos do have their AGM next week. I don't know if this is going to be uh, a topic that will be decided at that meeting, but. I would guess it'll come up to some extent and uh, Morley Scott will give us some details of what some of the key topics could be when he joins us a little bit later on. Hal Gill, former NHL defenseman, now a broadcaster for the Nashville Predators. Always fun to chat with him. He's up next. But the only girl who could talk to him just couldn't swim. Tell me what's worse than this. And the echoes in the halls, they dance along. Tuning in tonight. Golf today. Workday charity open at Muirfield Village in Ohio. Colin Morikawa has the lead, 7-under-65. Pretty good day for Canadians. Adam Hadwin, one shot off the lead. Nick Taylor, two shots off the lead. Roger Sloan tied for seventh. Three shots off the lead, so a bunch of Canadians in a bunch there. Now, they're going to play back-to-back tournaments at the same course. And next week is the Memorial, one of the more prestigious tournaments on the PGA Tour. And Tiger Woods will return tiger woods will play in that tournament we haven't seen him for a while in fact he has not played since february 16th he has won the memorial a record five times part of his 82 career victories on the pga tour so that'll be fun to see tiger back in action the Ryder cup has been postponed for the second time in the last 
20 years. Remember, it was uh, it was right around the corner in 2001 when the 9-11 attacks happened. And uh, it, the, the Ryder Cup always happened in odd-numbered years. So that year, they they pushed it back. It's been an even-numbered years ever since. And now it'll go back to, uh, to odd-numbered years because of the pandemic. So some other things to, uh, to keep an eye on there. Austin Martin, the first-round pick of the Toronto Blue Jays, expected to join the team's summer training camp at Rogers Centre. 21-year-old out of Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt will be added to the 60-man player pool. Fifth overall pick. Quite a college season in 2020. He batted 377, had a 507 on base percentage. Now that was only over 16 games, but still some pretty uh, some pretty gaudy stats. A lot of NFL teams are uh, well, not a lot, but there have been a few starting to give season ticket holders options for the upcoming season. The Seahawks now saying that season seat holders have the option to pause their tickets and get a refund for the upcoming season or keep the credit in their account for 2021. The Seahawks didn't say how many fans would be allowed inside century link field, if any at all early this week, the Baltimore Ravens offered uh, made a similar offer to their season ticket holders. And they said, if we can have fans, it'll be fewer than 14,000. So that gives you an indication of how spaced out uh, fans would have to be when we get around to the NFL this year. Okay. Seven, eight, zero, four, nine, six, zero, zero, six, if you want to get in touch tonight, always happy to hear from you. Morley Scott coming up a little bit later on in the show. Always good to chat with Morley. Text message here from the Big L who says, Hey, Reed, what about the big differences between how Canada and the states are handling this pandemic? How can the league possibly make any future schedules for a season when crossing the border will involve such disparity in terms of health protocol? That is the Big L. Well, that's an excellent question. And, and I think that look the nhl is is not putting out all these key dates and saying that they're written in stone they they have waited as long as they were comfortable waiting when it comes to restarting this season and planning the the qualifying round and the postseason tournament i, I mean it's been several weeks since they said it was going to be 24 teams and what the format was going to be and that we, I mean, we've been talking about Oilers Blackhawks for a couple of months already, right? So the, the NHL has has taken as long as they could. As I mentioned earlier, we could get a final word tomorrow that the Board of Governors have ratified the, the deal, that the Players Association has ratified the deal, and then we're right into training camp on, on Monday. And as I said, competitive games that count – three weeks from today so you know they, they didn't announce this all in the uh in the middle of may and and say it's just has to be this way right i mean they, they've taken their time with it so i i would think with with that december 1st date they have to be flexible with it i definitely think there is hope that the the situation on both sides of the border is good enough that there can be regular travel but like i said earlier maybe there's going to be divisional hubs i mean maybe vancouver you know maybe every canadian city could potentially host games by then and i don't know maybe the the central divisions in uh in winnipeg and calgary and the pacifics in edmonton and vancouver or or, or whatever i mean maybe maybe it will come down to that but again it's december 1st it's a long way away i don't i don't fault the nhl for setting a target date but i don't want anybody to believe okay they're starting december 1st regardless i I think they're still going to worry about the safety of the players and the fans as they have through 
planning this restart. 780-496-0063. Randy is on the line. Randy, thanks a lot for calling. You're on with Reed. Hey, how you doing, Reed? Pretty good. I just don't think that December 1st is realistic in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. I don't see anybody being in an, in an NHL building in the United States for the next, what, year? Two? It just doesn't seem realistic that to even consider a new season. Well, there may not there may not be fans, right? But maybe they think they could play games in those U.S. cities to, right, to present a counter. I certainly don't want Connor flying into a city where it's going to be ridiculously scary for him. I just it doesn't make any sense at all until this. Yeah. you know, because they won't have fans in the building. So how many franchises can withstand a year of that? Right? There ain't too many that can withstand a year of having no fans whatsoever and just banking on a TV deal that's going to be enough to sustain them i don't see Mm -hmm. that happening yeah well i think you make a good point though about players uh being transported around and that's why randy i i I am very skeptical that major league baseball is going to finish their season even though it's the shortest possible season you could ever imagine happening i'm beyond skeptical that the nhl won't consider this tv show that they're going to try to put on ever going to have actually finish you don't think that they'll be able to finish this tournament i really don't no, what do you think will hold it up? Like illness or just Absolutely what do you think? illness. The, the players yeah. that are going to be flying in are flying in from predominantly the United States and states like Arizona and California that are just rampant right now. Do you really think that this is going to fly? Well, like Brian Burke said in that clip, that they're, the GMs are worried about the next couple of weeks. I, I think they feel pretty good about the bubbles, and, and I respect if you don't. You know, I think that they've feel like they're setting up the bubbles as well as they can in Edmonton and Toronto. But yes, I think there's worry that in the next two weeks, you know, what if a bunch of players get sick and then they can't travel to the bubble and that delays things. I think that's the biggest obstacle now. Why is our premier even and putting out a a promotional video for Alberta when I thought everybody coming was supposed to be in a bubble, including their families. So what are they supposed to go out and see the sites, then get back inside the bubble or like it doesn't yeah, well, the, the, we talked about the video a couple weeks ago. I mean, they didn't pre- they didn't present it very well, but I'm, I'm not going to harp on that too much. But they, yeah, I mean, the, the families would be allowed in the bubble, in the conference finals, and the Stanley Cup final potentially. I, and maybe, but you're right. If they left the bubble, they might not be allowed back in, depending on what it's like then. Personally, Reed, I just think it's a TV show that is inevitably going to be canceled midseason. Have a good night, bud. Yeah, thanks for calling, Randy. Seven eight zero four nine six. 0063. David says, Reed, right now the U.S. being as bad as it is with COVID and seemingly getting worse is ruining it for the NHL. Not looking good, unfortunately. The U.S. needs to wake the heck up. That is from David. 780-496-0063. Well, look, they, they wanted Vegas, right? They, they wanted Vegas as a hub. The players wanted Vegas as a hub. And it, it didn't happen simply because of what David is talking about. So many American cities just haven't controlled the virus. I, I think in Edmonton, I, I think we as citizens did a pretty good job and continue to do a good job of respecting the rules, respecting that there are some people who are more vulnerable to, to, to something like this. I mean, unfortunately, we've seen what, what has happened in the, in the Misericordia Hospital over the last few days and, and some, un- unfortunately, elderly people who have passed away. Um, but generally in Edmonton, we, we've done a good job. And, and I know it's cost people uh, money and, and livelihoods and created a lot of uncertainty, but there's been that respect for what the health officials are saying. And, and unfortunately, there, there hasn't been that type of 
respect, compliance, whatever you want to call it, in a lot of American cities. And and I get, you know, I, I'm optimistic that the NHL can come to Edmonton and Toronto and, and finish the season. I, I totally understand your questions about what happens on December 1st. How does the next NHL season look? Look, I, I totally get it. We got Hal Gill on hold from the Nashville Predators broadcast booth and a gentleman who played... Uh, I always include the playoff games, Hal. That gives you 1,219 NHL games. I'm not counting preseason, though. Sorry, buddy. I, I, I feel like everything should count. And playoffs should count for two. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's good, to, it's good to catch up with you. Always enjoy uh, talking hockey with you. I'm, I'm going to start, though, with, with a little bit about cross-border travel, even, even without the time of the pandemic. And you started playing... Uh, in the late 90s and, and you played till till 2014 so I'm sure even air travel conditions improved for players during that time but when you crossed the border as a player were you uh, you know were the teams accommodated was it still kind of a hassle going back from U.S. back and forth USA Canada how would you describe that uh, I, it's funny um, Toronto well, I played in for Toronto and and when we'd go over it was pretty easy we I think for the most part, uh, people were paid off. And we, they made it as easy as possible. Uh, Montreal, uh, the ownership wanted it to be uh, with no, no special privileges. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of Montreal people would see a team just walking right by the security gate and, and jumping on a plane, and they'd get a little bit perturbed by that. Uh, so uh, we had to wait long, just like everyone else. So it got to be a, kind of a long haul, but... Uh, it definitely adds, you know, when you're going over, it adds a lot to the to the game, to the to to you know the you're, you play a game and you're trying to rest up and then you're trying to cross the border and it becomes a, a kind of a pain in the neck. But uh, you know, I think everyone's got to deal with it at some point, so it's it's not a big deal. But uh, it, it was it was a nuisance. I'll say that. Right. So if so if you were playing say for Nashville and you saw a road trip that was Buffalo, Toronto, Boston, Montreal, you would be like, seriously, we got to hop back and forth. Like we can't just stay in Canada. Yeah. No, that that kills you cuz you know, especially if you win, you know, you're you're playing on a team that beats the Habs, it's going to be a lot harder to get out of that airport. Uh, but <laughs> and and I will tell you that happened more often than not when I was with the Bruins. And and we went up to Montreal and won. We knew we were in for a long haul at the airport. It was going to take some time. So, um, but yeah, that's it's a lot easier just getting there and going through. I okay, like when you just bang out the eastern Canada route and then you go out and you bang out the western Canada route. But it seems like it doesn't happen that often. All right. Hal Gill checking in tonight. Tell, tell us how things are in Nashville. I mean, I, I had some listeners uh, worried about the conditions in American cities and athletes traveling to Edmonton and Toronto from, from some stops in the United States. How, are, how would you characterize it uh, in Nashville right now, Hal? Well, it's different. It's, um, you know, everyone looks at the state and sees how things are being conducted in the state and it's kind of funny because Nashville, uh, the three major cities—Memphis, Nashville, and Knoxville—Tennessee uh, have different rules than the rest of Tennessee. So you can head out of town, and and it's basically what they're calling phase two, phase three. Uh, but Nashville is kind of backed up and is 
tinkering with phase two, but I think everything right now is modified. And uh, for a long time, people weren't getting it. They weren't wearing loose. They weren't. Uh, they were going out to bars and enjoying themselves. And and Dr. Quarantine was over. And uh, I, I think they're getting it now. It's a lot more masks. And uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of areas around us, Georgia, Florida, that are picking up pretty fast. And and so we're very conscious over here. So. Uh, hopefully we stabilize and everything gets back to somewhat of a norm, a new normal for us, but uh, it's all touch and go right now. All right. I, I got to ask you this one. What would have been the biggest challenge for Hal Gill, the player, to have his season placed on hold March 13th and not be sure when he has to be <laughs> in peak shape to get back on the ice? Uh, if you have a, a big freight train, and it takes a while to slow it down, and, and then uh, it takes a long time to get it back going up to speed. So um, it, it would be tough. I'd be, I, I'll be honest with you, I'd be pretty nervous right now. I'd be, uh, you know, usually it takes me a few training camp game, exhibition games to get going, and and then even to get up to the spot where I want to be is is five or ten games. And I've I tinkered with it throughout my career trying to get. To, you know, get better sooner and be quicker sooner and be up to speed sooner, but it doesn't work as easy as you think it would. You need to have guys that are playing in game shape all around you, and you need to play that intensity to get up to there. So uh, I, I'd be nervous right now. Uh, but that being said, uh, who knows? Uh, maybe I'd be a little bit more in tune to what I was doing right now uh, getting on the ice and training. So, uh, you know, I'd like to think that I, I would be able to compete, but I, I, I'd be pretty nervous about it. All right. The Nashville Predators, so with, with the format that they're using, they're going to be taking on the uh, the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Predators, a 35-win team, Arizona 33. It was uh, a really lopsided season series between Edmonton and Nashville this year, including that, that 8-3 win the, the Oilers got against the Predators. So I, I can't judge the Predators' season on those three games because clearly they they were a better team most of the time than they showed against the Oilers. But but I thought observing the Predators for, from afar a, a little bit up and down. So I don't know. Is this a chance to to to, to reset and then maybe put some things behind them, or are there some lingering concerns here for the Preds? Yeah, it's <laughs> you, you got me because I, I I think the team looked really good and they were coming around, uh, and then the season gets cut short, uh, I really feel like the top six underperformed all year, and that's Duchesne, Johansson. Uh, you know, you can put Torres, who was, was coming around. I think Forsberg still has a ton more to give. Arvidsson had an injury that he was coming back from, and he wasn't quite as sharp as he could have been. So I, I feel like that top six was starting to come around, and if they can come around i mean if you're if you're on the bubble of making the playoffs and in and uh, your top six are underperforming and have all year then you'd say hey if, if the top six can come around during the playoffs then we'd be laughing right so uh the defense is solid goaltending is not an issue everyone all the boxes are checked just that top six and if they can come around i i really think they could do a ton of damage but that being said, 
I think most teams are looking at it as like, hey, we're healthy now. We've got some rest. We've got guys ready to go. Uh, we can do some damage. So uh, this is going to be a circus. I, I can't wait to see it. And I really hope <laughs> everything goes off the way it, it, it should it should go. And and we get six games a day, and, and it'll be like uh, hockey fan nirvana. I mean, you can't beat this. And I, I will say, in talking about me getting back up to speed, there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to make mistakes. So I think early on especially, there's going to be a lot of games that are are kind of crazy, and I think that's going to be kind of fun to watch. And maybe not the most pure hockey. It's not going to be – I don't think it'll be that lockdown playoff uh, New Jersey Devils style from from the old days. I think it's going to be a lot of open ice hockey, and I, I honestly think that plays into the Preds' hands. Uh, so I, I'm kind of hoping that they can use that to, to their advantage. And you and Pete ready to call games off a monitor somewhere, most likely? That's what that's what I'm hearing. I'd give anything. Just put me up in the boonies and, and just let me watch the game because uh, I, th- I do think you miss a lot when you're watching it on TV. But uh, I'll, I'll call it from anywhere, you know? Like, I'll, I'll make something up. If I can't see it, I'll make it up. How about that? <laughs> That sounds great. And you got a fan, Josh, on the text line. He says, come on, Reed. Skillsy would walk right into the season and be in tip-top shape. So people Uh, still believe in you. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Josh. (laughs) Hey, thanks for checking in tonight. Uh, Say hi to Pete Weber. Always a pleasure to have you on the show, Hal, and we'll see you down the road. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. That is Hal Gill, former Nashville Predator and played for several other teams as well. Uh, most of his career first half with the Boston Bruins, then Toronto, Pittsburgh, Montreal, Nashville, and a brief stint with Philadelphia and current analyst on Predators broadcast. Good to catch up with him. It's Inside Sports on Chet. JC says, uh, those who need protection are getting it. We knew we would have this spike with people that can survive it. He uh, does not agree with those calling in uh, concerned about the uh, NHL tournament being held here in Edmonton. 780-496-0063 is the text line. Good to catch up with Hal Gill. We will bring you these seven o'clock news and weather i heard thomas dias talking about maybe some storms rolling and i'm in my basement here kellen is anything happening outside i just got gray around here but other than that nothing getting gray getting gray just like my hair back after the news everybody thanks for tuning in Six thirty, chad inside sports with reed wilkins weekdays at six on Six Thirty, chad